Welcome to Your Highness Podcast, a show where we get comfortable with the uncomfortable, uncover areas of cannabis where accessibility and inclusiveness are lacking, and elevate conversations about ways to affect real change in this space with a specific focus on folks who identify as women. You're listening to Your Highness Podcast. This is your host, Diana Crash, and today I am joined by Holly Pennington of Humboldt Seed Company. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me, Diana. I'm excited to chat with you a little bit more about seeds and all the fun stuff we do. (laughs) (laughs) I am as well, because we really don't talk about that on the show. Um, So before we get into that, we're going to begin with a segment that we uh, use, we do every episode. It's a recurring segment, um, Fave Pot and Fave Not Pot, where we each talk about our favorite cannabis-related item and our favorite not cannab- non-cannabis-related item. My words aren't working that well today, so just uh, bear with me, people. <laughs> yeah, same, same here. It's I like to blame it on the smoke, but right, you know, right. I think really oh. comes down to it. I'm just out of it these days, right? I guess it's just like there's just so much going on. It's just like a constant, you know, garbage fire of just. Uh. Yeah, because you know, <laughs> my dad and I quite often use the term putting out fires for, you know, what we do all day, every day at our jobs. But lately, it's actually become a literal instance where, you know, everyone wow. here is putting out fires. So, wow. Times Oof. are crazy, but yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. And when times are crazy, you need something to distract yourself. Right. right. So that's so, what my, <laughs> my, um, but I'm going to start with my fave pot, which isn't about, uh, it's like, well, I guess it can help me distract myself. No, I can use it during the day. So it doesn't, I don't actually use this as a distraction. Um, uh, but my fave not pot is a distraction. I'll get to that in a minute. Um, so I've been smoking cookie face, which is a strain that's high in THCA. Uh, and I'm a big fan of that because I have migraines and stuff like that. And, um, THCA helps a lot with a lot of my issues. So, (laughs) and it's a hybrid, I think. So it's pretty good for the day. I know that doesn't really mean anything anymore, but it's good for me during the day. (laughs) You know, I think a lot of the time it really just is consumer specific because, you know, our, endocannabinoid systems kind of all process things differently and so if you found that thca works well for you and it can still keep you functional during the day i think that's wonderful and people really just need to take the time to find that personal perfect match for themselves i think my favorite honestly for probably like the last five years hasn't changed from the blueberry muffin but i just love that one it's not the highest thc but that for me is something that, you know, I find as a highlight because I can smoke it at work, I can smoke it throughout the day. And, you know, it's high in, is it Mersine, Mycrene? I've had so many different pronunciations of right. that. I, I've been saying Mersine. So. Sounds right. 
But, yeah. you know, I have found that that terpene for me specifically definitely helps with my anxiety and it helps with my appetite and my sleep. So I, you know, tend to find that that one is kind of one of my ideal strains that I can always have my good old reliable blueberry muffin. And it usually gives me the perfect high. Yeah, I love everything that has to do with the blueberry when it comes to a strain. I, I swear, everything that has the word blueberry in it, I love. So I'm right there with you. And I'm a very big fan of Myrcene. That's, that was like my next favorite. <laughs> I love uh, high Myrcene content. <laughs> yeah, me too. And the blueberry muffin definitely packs that in there. And so that one's one that I've never been able to really take from the number one position. It's hard because, you know, there's so many of our strains that I do love as well. But that one with, you know, with the flavor combined with the effects, it really is just my number one. And I can't deny that. <laughs> Nice. Well, I'm glad that you found something that really works. Um, so my fave, not pot, like I said, it's about distraction. Um, I, I was looking for something that's like going to, you know, engulf me totally. So I'm not, you know, uh, doom scrolling while I'm watching it. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so I started watching How to Get Away with Murder. And uh, it's not on, it's not even on TV anymore. It's like, I think been off the air for a bit, but um, <laughs> that's how I roll. So <laughs> anyway, it is so good. I am just like 100% into this show. So I, I really recommend it. Um, especially if you really like Shonda Rhimes, uh, what she puts out. I feel like this is one of her best uh, projects. So Anyway, yeah, what's I'm your... check that oh. out, honestly, because yeah. I, I love crime-related series, and yes. for some reason, it just really, like, gets me invested. <laughs> right? This one is, yeah, this one is, like, um, I don't, I don't want to spoil, I, there's, not, I, I can't even talk about it, but <laughs> it's just so good. It really, it's, like, every, it, all I can say is when you think they're gonna zig, they zag, you know? It's one of those where you're just, like, oh, wow, oh, every like episode. Yeah, so. I can't, you know, I don't do well with a TV series that doesn't keep me on my toes consistently, so that sounds up my alley. Yes, I highly recommend it. So what's your fave, Not Pot? I would say lately I have been getting really into just looking into anything just about Paul Stamets is doing. I have always found him a very, very fascinating person, but lately the research he's been doing with mycelium extracts from these polypore mushrooms and discovering there's in stream immune benefits for bees and wow. that's something that you know if with with my rare spare time I would really love to start looking into a bit more because we've done a bit of beekeeping on our farm and of course bees are a central part of our ecosystems and our food and our biosecurity overall around the world so the fact that, you know, they have started really diving into what you can do with these funguses in lots of areas, not just the bees, but, you know, it's something that kind of gets me as excited as, like, the new research and everything we've been discovering in cannabis in the last couple of years, especially, you know, terpene effects and numerous things that just haven't been discovered in such an under-researched industry. And, you know, I feel like when it comes to fungus, it's kind of in a similar place. So I've been loving to watch that all unfurl. That's amazing. And I love that you um, have a, a beehive or did you have a beehive or what do you, Not what do you have? Unfortunately, we had yeah. a bear breach. And so Aww. we had to 
and our electrical fence went down. Our whole entire property is powered by a micro hydroelectric system. So it's just a tiny little half inch tube that shoots into a propeller and it spins and then that goes and charges our batteries. But basically the power up there isn't always consistent. So the bear came at the right time and the electric fence was off and you know, four bees felt the wrath, but that's nature. So, But bees are so important and we really need to spend way more time talking about them (laughs) And, and the science around bees is just so fascinating and what you're talking about to top that off I really want to look into that that sounds really interesting yeah you know I feel like a lot of his work doesn't necessarily get as widely published as I feel it should at least because the things that he's discovered are incredible but particularly you know finding something that seriously boosts a bee's immune system is something that I think, you know, has become a serious issue in these last couple of years. I think our bee species have been declining at, like, extreme rates, and that's something extremely concerning when it comes to our biosecurity as a population. And so, you know, for him to actually have found a potential solution to that that, you know, isn't even anything super crazy, it's basically just providing these, you know, polypore mushrooms. It's like reishi and was the other one a mandu or something like that one of those but anyways you know it's just kind of incredible to me to know that right in this day and age we are still making these incredible discoveries it gives me a little bit of hope as a species that yes you know we can make positive progress although we have made lots of negative progress as well that's true that is a really good message to hold on to because I mean that's the only thing that we can hold on to right <laughs> right now when we have all this like just yeah to, to combat all of this like toxic energy and um, everything that's terrible going on <laughs> and it, it is exciting when you find out it, it my first question is always how do we not know this already but then it, it the second one's always of course we don't because why would we because nature is so phenomenal you know i mean there's so much that we don't know still how could we if there's there's it's just yeah anyway um (laughs) i think it's one of those instances where i'm starting to see a shift in science and development more so wanting to develop and work with nature rather than almost against against it it. and so finding these like symbiotic relationships that you know you can use to improve an entire species existence just through a fungus is you know something that I think a lot of scientists haven't even thought of to try yet and you know it's a little bit mind-blowing but it's also really exciting stuff. It really is. Um, I really want to check that out. That sounds so super interesting. Um, So for as long as I've been in this industry and written about many different aspects of the space, I've never really explored genetics. More specifically, I don't pay attention to anything related to growing um, (laughs) my own cannabis because I have never lived in a state where it is legal to do so. And the moment that changes, I plan to grow my own but I don't know anything about seeds. So what do you tell someone who doesn't know anything? Like, where do they start? I mean, you know, one of my go-tos is just, you know, saying like, hey, have you ever had houseplants? Have you ever grown a vegetable before? Because it really can be that simple. If you're not trying to produce like, you know, 
triple A hydroponic pot, then you can just put it in a flower pot in your backyard and still be smoking on some like great stuff. And the thing is, is when you grow your own product, in my mind, it always tastes a bit better. And so just to watch the whole process, I think it's important for consumers to have that experience because you learn new things that you like about the plant and, you know, you get to see every little detail of it. You get to, you know, watch the terpene profile emerge and you kind of have this bond going with what you're growing versus, you know, people who are strictly getting their product from a dispensary or something. There's a little bit of a disconnect. It's almost like, you know, when you're, when you're buying a steak in the grocery store, you're not really thinking about a cow. (laughs) It's like, there's a disassociation between the production of the product and the consumption of the product. And so, you know, for consumers to really like fully associate what's going on in the process behind it, it teaches people what they want to look for and growing practices that they encourage in their product themselves. And I think that's something important for, you know, producers to want to look for when providing for consumers is to think, okay, maybe people are going to want more than just a high THC content. They're going to want to know that this was grown and produced sustainably or that we use this practice or, you know, even providing what terpene profiles are in the product on the jar. And so, you know, I think personally, no matter how much effort you want to put in, it's something that is a great experience for any cannabis consumer to have. If only most of us could have it. (laughs) That is, and that is definitely an issue is, a lot of states are still kind of holding people's hands behind their back and saying, oh, like, you know, you don't really have an option. All you can do is go to the dispensary or I don't know what it's like if you guys even have the whole dispensary thing going, but. Mm-hmm. Yes, we just have a dispensary, but you, um, it's not like a retail store where you can go in and look at, yeah. at the products. You You have to basically know what you're going to get when you go in there or have some idea of what you're going to get. I mean, I order beforehand, so. <laughs> yeah. But I'm pretty sure you have to know what you're going to get. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense. And, you know, California has really changed quite a lot in the last few years. But I remember when it was kind of like that with the dispensaries here, it wasn't like a, you know, there was a few of them. And now there's probably at least like 10 within, you know, 10 minutes of me. <laughs> but you definitely kind of had to go in and know what you were looking for. And nowadays things are kind of shifting. But when it comes to growing your own, all you really need to start with is some dirt and some seeds and some water. And I like to say less is more when it comes to a first time grow. I see a lot of people investing in, you know, big baller setups and whatnot for their first time. And really, you don't know what you're missing until you start with the minimum and then you can, you know, fine tune and add things in over time. But yeah, absolutely. I think that's might be the most daunting part for a lot of people because they think they need all of this equipment. I I've always thought that myself. I mean, I have house plants, but I always think that like I need a whole setup to set, to grow not to sell <laughs> yeah, to grow and sell that would be all set up yeah. no but just to grow it <laughs> I'm just now starting to realize like I I told you uh before that I threw um a, a, an errant uh seed that was in one of my uh things I got from the dispensary into an outdoor plant that I had on my porch 
and I just wanted to see what would happen. I've done this before when I was a kid too. And um, when I was a kid, it grew through snow. And I, I mean, I completely forgot that I had grown it. And my stepdad came home one day from work and was like, why is this thing growing out of the <laughs> snow? And it was fully a cannabis leaf. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, I could pull off, you know, you know, deniability because it was just looked like it was just a random thing that was growing in our garden, just like you know had. Yeah. So, but it was wild. I could not get over how it grew through that. And then in, on my porch, it was in a pot of a a, tr a tree that was like pretty much dead, and so I couldn't believe it. But it sprouted, you know. Um, the squirrel killed it, but. <laughs> <laughs> just like I always feel like you need to have like a tent and stuff like that like I always think that you need like special equipment and lighting and all of that but I mean you can even do an auto flower on your windowsill if you really want to you know so it really just depends on how much time and energy you as the cultivator are willing to put into it but it doesn't have to be that much time and energy and I think that that's kind of a misconception that a lot of people see and you know these days everyone wants to be like look at this new fancy light I got and you know look at the new right. big plant or whatever it is that they're buying and you know that's cool I'm all for you know the hobby growing and being invested in that but I think it gets a little overwhelming for people who are just starting out and they don't even know where to start and as I said like you can always start out with the bare minimum and then say oh you know what I would really like next run is to add some of this or to try to boost my yields by doing this or you know whatever it is that you felt you were missing you can always add that in in the future <laughs> right and so you just touched on it a little bit, but your seeds are designed for the novice grower, or you have seeds that are for the novice grower, um, even for someone who has no time to invest in the project. So like essentially someone can just toss them in the yard and forget about them. Can you talk more about that? Yeah. So, I mean, our goal has kind of always just been to provide the most stable genetics we possibly can. Stable and consistent is kind of a key here. And as you can see in about any other agricultural industry, they've, you know, generally shifted to pretty much predominantly relying on seed. You know, you're not going out and buying tomato clones at the nursery or, you know, whatever it is. And so those products, you know, it takes the time, it takes stabilization for several of our strains. We've, you know, been working with them for over 10 years. Our blueberry muffin is now an F9 double breeding line and you know we've still retained the hybrid vigor in that but it takes a lot of time and so our goal is just yeah to be able to give a consumer a seed and they can stick it in a pot they can stick it in you know any soil really that they have as long as it's not moldy and funky and the plant will survive and it'll do something for them it might not be the most baller grow ever but you're still gonna have a plant you're still gonna have some nice buds and you know, it's going to be an awesome experience, I think, either way. We also have all these auto flower lines, which I think are great for a first-time grower as well because kind of just can seriously shorten the period of time that you're even dealing with it. Those ones are great for, like, a little back porch project or even a windowsill project, as I said, so. Yeah, so can you talk a little bit more about the types of seeds? I mean, the auto flower thing sounds, like, right up my alley. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm like, auto flower, send them to me. <laughs> I'm looking yeah, at my I porch, like, where can I put it? Yeah, I can I'm make in that happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm happy to do that. But yeah, the auto flowers, that's, you know, one that we've kind of started working with more in the last five years. And those are definitely super interesting. It's basically you know, the plant carries this trait called ruderalis. And so it makes the plant entirely non-photoperiod dependent versus just about any other kind of cannabis is relying on the photoperiod schedule or, you know, the sun. And so you're going to have to wait until that solstice when the daylight hours start declining for it to fully go into flower, unless you're doing light deprivation or whatever process. But, you know, with the autos, they basically are going to flower from the time you germinate it within, you know, around 80 days, the, the time does range on the different varieties, but it'll be about 80 days from the day you crack it till finish, which, you know, you could do it any time of the year, you could do it in the middle of winter, if you felt like it, you could do, you know, three runs starting in March and going till the end of the season. So definitely, is an advantage in doing those ones, especially for the ease factor in it. And they're getting a lot better. When I first saw, you know, my couple auto flowers, I, I had doubts in my mind that they would ever be able to, you know, smoke and look as good as a photo period. But <laughs> I think uh, my doubts are definitely being thrown out the window at this point, because I've seen some amazing auto flowers this season. Wow. And what about with your hemp? Do you have auto flower for that, like your hemp seeds? Yeah, we do have auto flower hemp. Our hemp project is called Two Snakes Hemp, and um, that's a partnership we did with a local tribe out here, the Yurok tribe. And so we basically do a lot of our distribution through them, but we have regular photo period hemp lines. We have auto flowering hemp lines. We have CBD hemp lines. We try to have a wide range there too. It's kind of mm. our forte is to attempt at least to have something that everyone's going to be looking for you know one thing that will make just about every person happy that's amazing I really want to grow him so <laughs> um, that is really exciting so before we go how can the cannabis community best support you both professionally and personally you know I think that and as the industry as a whole, the cannabis community can support us best by continuing to educate themselves as consumers and continuing to take the time to research where they're buying their product. I think, you know, in keeping these craft cannabis farmers alive and well and thriving, it really does fall on the responsibility of consumers. And out here in Humboldt, those craft farmers are our community. They're the legacy growers that we've grown up with for years that have kept our economy and our entire area alive. And so I, you know, continuously feel like I want to stress that consumers want to look for more than just a fancy brand name or, you know, a really high THC content. You want to get to know your grower and make sure it's coming from a good source and, you know, I find that when I know my cannabis came from a good place, I enjoy smoking it more and the high feels just a little bit better. And I think, you know, as all these big players start to come in and there's farms that are acres and acres and acres of mass produced bud, you know, it's something that is awesome to see when you're looking at that. You're like, I never thought I would see this and, you know, not feel like I might have to go run and hide in a bush at any moment. But at the same time, 
it's scary because up here we're not set up for ag and these people can't expand to have a 10 acre farm overnight it's you know gonna cost an extreme amount as far as permitting and you know even if you are able to do that it's like grading the land up here is something that we honestly try to avoid at all costs and so you know I think we should all try to stick together and keep our Humboldt County cannabis growers alive and well because you know most people in the world know that the best shit comes from Humboldt (laughs) right and so um where can people find you they can find me personally. I'm just Hallie Penn on Instagram. And then our company's Instagram is The Humboldt Seed Company. And we are severely shadow banned right now. So if anyone's looking into our name, just make sure it's the right one. It's The Humboldt Seed Company. No weird numbers in there. And, you know, there's a D before the T. <laughs> we have probably about 10 fake accounts of us right now floating around. And it is a little uh-huh. scary. But, you know, we just hope people have um, their logic with them and don't go buy seeds from strangers or anyone pretending to be us online. (laughs) So can anybody buy your hemp seeds? Like Anyone can order the hemp seeds online, yeah. And that is uh, Two Snakes Hemp. Or no, it's Two Snakes Seeds, T-W-O-S-N-A-K-E, and then seed.com. Awesome. Thank you so much for spending time with me today. Uh, Until next time, stay high and beautiful. Bye. Thank you so much for having me. Have a good rest of your day. Thanks for listening. You can find us on Instagram at Your Highness Podcast or on Twitter at Highness Podcast. Be sure to rate us on iTunes and subscribe.